Hello and welcome to Extreme Perspectives. This is a monthly podcast created by The Sense Network to bring you conversations with people who see things differently and think differently. This podcast is for people who want to expand their mind and develop their creative intelligence. I'm your host, Jeremy Brown. For 20 years, I've been seeking out people from the edges of culture, the creators, outliers, misfits, rebels, and the crazy ones. People who want to change things and push the human race forward. In this episode of Extreme Perspectives, I speak with Misfit, Doctor of Social Science, Cognitive Diversity Expert, and Sense Worldwide team member, Dr. Adam Kitt. Adam leads the research and development team at Sense Worldwide. Through collaborations with University College London and the Sense Network, he and his team are exploring the science behind breakthrough innovation. The result is a cognitive diversity algorithm that enables Sense Worldwide to ensure the right perspectives are included at the right stage of the innovation process, where they have optimal impact. Hello, Adam. Hi, Jeremy. I'm very pleased we're getting a chance to have a conversation today because we have lots of conversations but this conversation is for the sense network and uh, for all of our other listeners who have probably heard us talk a little bit about cognitive diversity and um, today I think we're going to take a, a deep dive on that and start to unpack it a little bit and talk about why we're so excited about it but before we do that as you know these podcasts always begin with the same question are you an outlier a misfit a rebel or a crazy one? No, I have actually put some thought into this, probably thought probably too deeply into what is the difference between a outlier and a misfit. And I think I what I settled on originally was probably somewhere between a rebel and a misfit. But I think I'm kind of, I'm concluding, I'm going for misfit. Right, now you've got to tell me why you're a misfit. I think the reflection for me was that, although I definitely kind of appeal to having some crazy ideas or crazy kind of life experiences for me I think being a misfit means always feeling a little bit different always kind of feeling that you don't quite fit in and it's really kind of been a personal journey for me to figure out where is my tribe and I think I've always kind of had that question and it's probably something that kind of intrigued me about the sense network and sense worldwide as having a community of misfits and creatives and odd people from around the world that maybe there is my tribe excellent um maybe you could just by a quick introduction tell us a little bit about your journey which led you to the door of sense worldwide I guess, well, what I am in Sensible Wide at the moment, we've been there for a year now, and I run the R&D works using research to help develop applied innovation tools and, and new insights and technologies really orientated around the idea of cognitive diversity, creative intelligence, and breakthrough innovation. And our kind of key question is how do we enable individuals and teams and organizations to to be more innovative more creative through the power of cognitive diversity i mean i've been in academia for most of my working career and education i kind of have always been really interested in people and what makes people tick and how what makes people different and their motivations and specifically personality theory that's been my 
kind of keen interest over the years probably what propelled me to do a bachelor's of science in psychology and during that time I really wanted to be a clinical psychologist so I was working in kind of neuropsychology biological psychology developmental psychology clinical and counseling drug addiction and um, that was really interesting to me I think I've always liked helping people um, so I was doing that at, at Leeds Beckett at the time and working um, as a independent social worker for a small a small social working company where I was helping uh, the vulnerable population uh, kind of develop and grow, working with people with hoarding problems, with challenging mobility issues, um, kind of helping people learn uh, technology who had autism, who needed their needs. And, and that kind of led me into a three-month kind of placement in Sri Lanka, helped the vulnerable populations over there. Uh, that was really interesting to me. And I think what I kind of learned through all that experience was what was became really apparent to me was that there are two ways in which you can help the world. And there is the alleviation of human suffering, which was really what I was kind of engaging in at the time, trying to become a clinical psychologist or aspiring to be a clinical psychologist. And then there was the opposite, which is what makes people geniuses, what makes people creative, different, unique, and the best that they can be. And this kind of concept of flourishing, human flourishing came up which kind of dove me deep into the area of positive psychology, uh, which I found super, super interesting. This how, how do we kind of study what makes people unique and creative and geniuses? So I kind of shifted my kind of focus to, to flourishing teams, flourishing organizations, where I did a master's in organizational behavior, learning how to apply these motivational and personality theories to teams and team dynamics, what makes leaders the best that they can be, what makes teams the most creative that they can be. And after that, decided that I wasn't done learning and did a PhD in HRM, so human resource management, which was really focused on, for a long time, the psychology of people in teams and also creative cultures, so cultures of innovation and how we can create the context in which people can do their most creative work. And also um, a big part of that was to learn about people's differences, their life experiences and how that kind of led them to see things differently. And during that time, I was, I was working in Nottingham Trent University Business School, helping organizations do research led consulting in terms of leadership development and creative uh, teams. I think what I really learned there was that there was a real gap in academic world where I kind of still didn't find my tribe again what i learned was great research was research that led from insight to action and that was something that i felt was partially there but not there as much as i'd like it to be in academia which is why i kind of turned to the world of of consulting where i could have a more of an impact and kind of, as i said at the start sense worldwide really jumped out to me because of this amazing community that we have this community of misfits outliers creatives and rebels that i thought was quite inspirational and was in a way harnessing a lot of what the academic world was was saying but not preaching let's strip it right back and let's start with how we define cognitive diversity 
Well, cognitive diversity is really the inclusion of people who have different styles of thinking, different problem solving and different ways of seeing the world in which they can provide unique perspectives because they see and think differently. And we really know that these differences between people is creates this alchemic reaction that leads to better, stronger and more um, relevant ideas for the world. And where this is sort of where we see the application of this most is in, well, in, in teams, specifically innovation teams, because certainly over the last decade, we've heard a lot from the behavioural scientists who have told us about bias and, you know, all of the disadvantages of bias and I think some of what we're doing here is actually looking at some of the benefits of bias by bringing people in who do who sort of see things differently and can kind of start to get certainly organizations can be in that sort of entrenched cognitive entrenchment and need to see things differently and that's where this is most useful now that might sound like stating the obvious but actually what we're talking about here is not just bringing in an external perspective but you know how we can actually start to think about you know what are those specific types of people and how do we start to optimize different um, activities so whether that might be if you are trying to think about things differently or you're trying to discover new problems to solve you know it can obviously be very useful at that stage but similarly when you're ideating and when you want people to build on those ideas how you know radically different can you start to think in terms of how people build on those ideas or when it comes to evaluation you know we certainly know from Adam Grant's work that he writes about challenge networks or the ability of creators to understand novel ideas and to actually evaluate them more effectively than say managers or focus groups can because you know that's all about overcoming some of those biases and you know the the effect it can have on the outcomes and the results and i think there's a really interesting kind of almost dichotomy in in the research today which is you know it, it seems that we've got this real press for kind of cultural fit and making sure everybody kind of kind of causes those cohesive unit but it seems like what the literature and what the research is actually telling us is that actually differences are really important and it's about those differences between the people and in a way you kind of mentioned bias it's about how do you make the right bias at the right time now what we know by cognitive diversity is that you can create these organizations with that everyone is really homogenous. They, they think the same way. They're all aligned. Okay, great. You have a nice, happy culture. But actually, it's the challenge between teams. It's the creative conflict. It's the exposure to different ways of thinking, different ways of uh, working that encourages people to generate new ideas, to come together and put ideas in new combinations and configurations which were previously out of reach and in a way that exposure kind of leads to two things it it leads people to first generate new ideas as we just said but also challenge existing ideas and challenge existing frameworks in a way that either strengthens the rationale for those frameworks or encourages people to think about those ideas very differently
And I think that's a really interesting thing. And in, in a way, it, it challenges our thinking around you know, how do we identify what those differences are between people? How do we make sure that we have the right people in the room and not just a group of yes men? How do we make sure as leaders do we create the right conditions for people to come together and express these differences and hold that space where creative conflict leads to this breakthrough innovation rather than the kind of destructive damage, which is, I think, is the fear of many people and many leaders today. So we have all this kind of it's, it's kind of well established that. Cognitive diversity leads to innovation. Over the past ten years, there's actually been kind of an upsurge of of research in the area, and it seems that actually there's an untapped potential for us to actually identify what those people, what those differences are, and how do we then apply that to innovation in the world in which innovation actually happens. So this idea around that how do we tailor organizations and groups and networks to be able to form those teams or form those kind of collective perspectives that can really be tailored to diff the different demands of an innovation challenge, be it the stage of innovation, ideation versus evaluation, or even the type of innovation that's occurring, technology, or maybe it's product or consumer-led innovation. There really seems to be a difference in the type of requirements that our teams have and the networks have in which, you know, uh, in which kind of requires us to shape teams very differently than what's been happening in the past and what's been happening as almost a status quo. Yeah. And, and just to recap on our journey so far, you've been heading up R&D now for 12 months, but the research and development at Sense Worldwide started a few years before that in our first collaboration with UCL, University College London. And we've obviously successfully been harnessing cognitive diversity for the best part of 20 years with a lot of the work, with a lot of the innovation work that we've done. And we wanted to take some of that data around the people that we worked with to see if there were any patterns or if there were, you know, we had sort of practical first-hand knowledge, like the tacit knowledge, if you like, the practical knowledge of it working, but we didn't have any science to underpin that. And in fact, one of the reasons that we started working together is those, those initial experiments were very successful in starting to give us some clues about what we've been getting right. And, you know, can we start to... Um, actually get even better um, at putting teams of people together and even better at focusing cognitive diversity in the right way depending on those different stages so I just wondered if it might if we might just take a step back in time and it would be really great to hear sort of what your perceptions have been of those different milestones that we've reached as a business because like certainly one of the first things that we did was um, to to look at a load of old projects that were successful that we had data on and then we started to actually look at you know well what makes the sense network so radically different from any other network that's out there just kind of casting back to a year ago when i joined i think we were very much collaborating with with ucl and our research collaborations and i think we were seeing some really promising academic results to underpin as you said the the tacit knowledge and the crystallized knowledge that we held for a business for for over 20 years of working with innovators 
and I think the well the the first real kind of project beyond that I kind of took on was project codename Babylon. Project Babylon was to really enhance these ideas and to take them a step forward into applied innovation tools. Now, what we did, uh, one of our first collaborations with UCL was with um, uh, Camilla Yasinska, who was doing business analytics at UCL for a master's. And she was really interested in understanding the personality traits of people in our past projects. And she, for her research, she developed this machine learning model that was able to predict up to often 85% accuracy the personality traits of, of individuals on our projects. And what she found was that the most successful projects tended to have higher cognitive diversity scores. So we developed this formula to measure cognitive diversity in about and how we looked at the differences between these personality traits and found out with when these differences were maximum also when these differences were the most between people actually it led to more successful breakthrough innovation projects and this was a really fascinating finding because it really confirmed a lot in which what we do at sense worldwide is really tailor our our research journeys and our projects and our innovation projects around this idea of cognitive diversity and what we had been doing intuitively as as consultants and as leaders of of these of the sense network was putting together these people with different traits and this research really confirmed that from that we really set out with a kind of few objectives which were who are the sense network and why are they so special and also what how can we take this a step further to try and tailor the most cognitively diverse teams that we could so we analyzed we actually manually coded about 700 responses from all our past projects so for those unfamiliar with our projects we go through several stages and the first is to we we design creative exercises for for sensors people in the sense network to go through and provide their responses and then might what we look for is really mind expansion so we're looking for the differences and we're looking for unique perspectives to these questions it could be like what is the future of of uh, decentralized finance or it could be how does luxury you know what does luxury mean in your life these kind of provocative questions and we we coded about 700 of these responses on the um, measure of of mind expansion which was a, a measure we developed internally which was really about breakthrough perspectives so ideas that had either not been expressed before, they were imaginative, unusual, unusual, surprising, they were deeply insightful or reflective, but ultimately they allowed us to see a problem in a different way. And we then um, kind of conducted a supplementary data a survey to the sense network looking at the relationship between all those different traits and life experiences uh, and also the way in which individuals were to answer these questions through mind expanding ideas or teams together holistically develop mind expanding mind expanding ideas and we really confirmed what Camilla found and most interestingly, this score that we were able to generate seemed to have an optimum level 
of cognitive diversity for innovation. So too little cognitive diversity and it seemed that innovation suffered and too much cognitive diversity and innovation kind of suffered again. And it seems that the literature actually confirms that because when you have too little differences between people, breakthrough ideas don't happen but too much and they they conflict too much and and we also kind of found what well, the real the insights were that we found that cognitive diversity were more the more cognitively diverse groups in our projects the more likely it was that um our clients and our and the people who were, were leading the projects were to bring out those ideas and share them with c-suite share them with the wider organization in a way that they were li- led to greater levels of adoption but I think probably the most kind of interesting thing that we found was that the Sense Network really over-indexed in a specific trait of intuition. And I think it was it was something like uh, about 60% extra. So in addition to the, the kind of the normal standard in the global population, the Sense Network, so the people on our projects were really, really had strong trait intuition. This cognitive style that is embodied or characterized by people who are visionary they notice the big picture and how everything connects their creative problem solving their embraces of novelty and originality they like exploring what if questions and future possibilities and this was something that i thought was quite magical because it really kind of showed that the benefit of of the sense network and the magic of the sense network and who the sense network was in terms of how they identified themselves but also how they thought and what they were really bringing into projects as well this the, their ability to see things differently which was really not found in the general population and it's over massively over indexed in the sense network one of the most beautiful things about it is so often we talk about the bell curve and um, we're working with people who are at the edges of that bell curve. But it actually, when, when you, as you said, when we looked at the um, global population distribution of these personality types, it was a virtu- you know, pretty much a perfect bell curve. And, but when we plotted the sense network on that, it was the absolute inverse and it created a really great big smile, not just across the, the chart as a, as a flip of the bell curve, but I think it put a smile on all of our faces as well when we saw that, because, you know, it was about having some data to support that, you know, we, we really do have such a unique community and, and such a valuable community. And I think that um, the irony of this is, you know, businesses need this more than ever, but these are the very people that businesses have sort of been designed to kind of encourage not to be in the organization they do you know organizations do not foster the conditions where um, these individuals thrive and we've probably got you know decades of cost driving efficiencies and kind of personality profiling to drive these efficiencies that have, have actually driven these individuals um, out of the organization so i'm 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 pleased that we've been able to corral uh these these outliers elsewhere i think that's a really interesting perspective because yeah where where, where someone has been shunned or where where an org, or where people have kind of really not been turned away 
because they're either non-compliant or they challenge the status quo or they're too disruptive. They found a home in the Sense Network and they found a space where their voice is valued and we listen to them and they're driving, they're actually helping us drive the future of 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 innovation and of innovations by providing this unique perspective that seems to not have found its home elsewhere. I think this this is really compelling as well because um, I know there's a lot of research right now that's trying to find how neuro is recognizing the the neurodivergent individuals in the workforce that are really it's been seemed or it's been perceived to be in a way a challenge to fit those people in. You know, they need accommodations or they have some kind of needs in which, you know, it becomes difficult to fit them in. But actually, these people have superpowers. And in a way, it's kind of it's that it's that thread of reasoning. If if you can provide the context for these people to thrive, whether it's their own office or you take meetings virtually or you provide quieter environments or with no distractions, whatever it is, you can harness the superpowers in individuals and find them to give them a place where their voice actually means something and cherish that. And if you can do that, you're really you're you're going to be far more innovative and appreciative as an organization for the people who are actually kind of driving the ways in which you can see your products your services your technologies really differently a quick break from this month's episode if you're enjoying the conversation remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to dive into the back catalog for more mind expanding perspectives from the edges of culture Rather than just looking at what the differences are, how do we measure for what those, you know, those positive traits are that are valuable? And then how do we best combine those with other people? And as you said, it's about creating the right conditions. So sort of what are the values and ways of working that we can bring these people together in a really constructive way? So it's it's not like anyone needs to pussyfoot around anyone. We've just got a shared set of universal values that we can just walk into a room. We know what the conditions are that have been set. You know, tasks, activities have been designed uh, to enable anyone, however they think about things or however they see things, to be able to articulate those thoughts. And that's a lot of the things that we are trying to do. It's not just about individuals. It's about the, the, the collective and that combined effort and actually the exponential effect that that can have on you know, our, our creativity and also our ability to evaluate these ideas too. So this is not just about you know, thinking crazy ideas. This is about really practical ways of going through uh, the innovation workflow, if you like, to optimize how we perform at each of those stages. And whether that is supplementing an internal team or building an entirely radical team, well, a little bit like what Astro Teller was doing at Google X. He said, he famously says in one of his articles that um, he tells the story about Willy Wonka and the Oopaloopas. And they wouldn't survive in the wild. So this is why he had to create an environment for them to, to thrive. And I think that's actually the role um, of a, this is really what we're talking about is creating those conditions. So, you know, different people can come together and combine their ideas and stretch, challenge and build on those ideas as, as, as well. So it totally is supercharging uh, our our innovation processes. Well, there's a lot there, but I think the first kind of point is that 
there's so that when you go into the literature and the research there's so many different ways in which people are measuring cognitive diversity and and it seems to be incredibly simplistic you know it's it's either like one trait or it's one activity that they do that's rated on like a binary scale or you know and 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 really what it or it's, it's just a measure simply of how different are the people in your team and i think that it poses an academic challenge for people to say well what are the differences between people what are the real unique life experiences and heuristics and thinking styles that actually are important rather than just perceived or thought about and then the next question which is seems to have not been applied at all is how do you actually use this information okay we know that differences between people are really important and okay they lead to more great breakthrough innovation they challenge people people think differently previous ideas become built on and even better and more applicable to the world okay great but like what does that actually mean for leaders and practitioners in the world today and where we're going really is the next step we're going well we actually i think we're going three steps higher which is first of all we're applying it specifically to innovation which is quite amazing in terms of what are the individual differences that lead to people to be more creative and innovative rather than just higher performing. The second is that we're applying it to different stages of innovation. So it's very clear that, you know, for example, someone who is seen as a, I'm going to use the word, idea generator, someone who likes to brainstorm new ideas, they bring a lot of ideas to the the table, they're probably very uh, open to ambiguity or open to wild and unconventional perspectives. That probably isn't as valuable in when you're really you've defined the idea and you need to implement it because at that stage actually going back and rehearsing re-rehearsing everything and kind of trying to add new things in the mix isn't helpful and vice versa the last thing that you need and when you're trying to kind of go through discovery and generate your ideas is someone who's really critical and thinking about all the implications of those ideas because they're just saying oh i'm not sure about that that doesn't seem like a good idea but in that stage you need to withhold those those judgments because you never know which idea could be the most valuable uh, in that moment so there's that that stage and the third is context matters absolutely you you need to create the conditions the set of values and ways of working in which these people can actually go ahead and and challenge one another and to appreciate the differences and and as individuals recognize their strengths what is it about me that makes me so good in this team in this environment in this innovation stage but also what is it about the team and how is it that we can create the creative context the container in which creative ideas can flow without being too disruptive one or another or even harmful which creative conflict can happen if you don't have those right conditions and when we talk about that we talk about creative intelligence a culture of creative intelligence from what you're saying this is particularly valuable to early stage innovators who are often seeking unexpected or unknown territories that they may not be in today so not the known knowns and it and it's helping them you know also from their perspective how do you assess ideas that may be coming online in 3 to 5 years or or 5 to 10 years even how do you begin to evaluate that you can't do that with a mainstream audience and yes if this is disruptive if this requires technology we know there is a, a lead time and there is time taken to actually make this stuff so maybe you could just talk us through how you know at a high level 
how we might apply cognitive diversity at a couple of the different stages you might go through. So, for example, maybe we could talk about discovery or, you know, when we're doing deep dives. So, so often people go and just talk to their consumers today, but what are we doing differently? And then ideation and then evaluation. I mean, most people go through those stages. There's, there's many other things that need to be done. We know, but it might just be good to uh, just provide a high level kind of overview of, of how we are applying cognitive diversity in different ways to those innovation stages. A really interesting kind of finding that that's coming out for us is that this this idea of the, the balance between cognitive diversity and cognitive symmetry. So it seems that actually cognitive diversity, um, so the, the maximizing the differences between perspectives between different people in your innovation teams is more valuable at certain stages of the innovation process. So, for example, the, the standard kind of early stage innovation process typically goes through a process of generating ideas. So becoming really open to new possibilities, taking those ideas and defining the problem, defining the, the problem that really needs to be solved, whether it's a consumer or technolo- technology related problem. Then beginning to open up the aperture again to ideate and around those solutions and 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 what is it about opening opening up around that particular challenge or problem and then evaluating so selecting and prioritizing which are the most tool about the best ideas that we can take forward to implementation in our structure a sense wide we go through these research stages in our projects and we call it mind expansion thinking really wide, deep dive, going deep into consumer needs, co-creation, bringing people together to build on those ideas and evaluation. So again, figuring out which of those ideas are the best and most applicable. And I kind of touched upon this before, like, for example, when you're in mind expansion or people might know it as discovery, you really need teams who are able, who have those traits that are allow them to be really open to new ideas and to see things very differently. So they might come from all different points of life. They might um, have uh, be really open. They might be unconventional. They might have high openness to experience. They might be creative, imaginative. In our, in our research, we often find they're very intuitive. They uncover these hidden connections and possibilities. And that's very different from the later stages, but that's when you really want to start maximizing your cognitive diversity in that very front stage of discovery. Maximize those differences between the people. And say, so at this stage of discovery, it's it's all about being open to everyone and everything. Exactly that. What are you looking for in ideation? Because one of the things that I often think about is... You know, if we are collaborating with, say, you know, 20 people on a project, so there's a, you know, we, we've, we've gone wide at the very beginning and we begin, begin to narrow that down to the people that we're working with. I often think about the ideation stage. It's almost like a, a multiplier effect. It's like cognitive diversity squared. So maybe if the deep dives is like the square root where you go very deep to the root of what the issue is what we're doing here is almost looking to square it so you know there's 20 people who can all come up individually with an idea but what happens when all of those different cognitively diverse perspectives of those 20 people then start to interpret and build on 
the other 19 people in that group. And then they take what they've observed from those 19 and then apply it back to their ideas as well. And then that's where effectively you get to 20 squared. It's like a very powerful way of 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 building out new concepts and new ideas. Absolutely. And that's why we often, we can call this like co-creation or collaboration, this, this ideation phase. I, I think just as a bit of, of an interesting insight is something that we found from, from some of our most latest research was that in, in the groups which had high levels of social conformity, innovation, the ideas that were generated were far less innovative. And now in this way, what it kind of highlights is that this kind of when you put people and as there's tons of classic research to support that when you put people in a room, they conform to the most normal or mainstream idea. And that if you have this degree of collectivism or social conformity in your groups, people tend to orientate closer to that idea, injects bias. People, psychologists would know the ASH experiment, um, but there's there's tons of experience, uh, research to show that essentially put people in a group together, they tend to be kind of less innovative, especially if there's not the conditions that pe- differences can be altered. And so in this in this section in, in co-creation or ideation, you essentially, you've allowed people to express their individuality, those differences and ideas that come out to different solutions or different perspectives around a problem. But now you add them all together and you see what happens when people are allowed to test and build and iterate on each other. And in that way, they become squared. So you, in, in really interesting is that you might, it's actually beneficial for you in a way to generate ideas alone or your team and then come together rather than start the brainstorming process at the start which i think challenges the conventional norm in, in innovative companies today in which you all come together brainstorm together and then you idea but actually we do it the other way around here is the moment where co-creation happens you build because you don't lose those valuable fringe ideas that might come from individual uh, from individual reflections and then really what you're looking for is people that can build test iterate seek answers to those unsolved problems and begin to collaborate on the ideas of others so you know they're able to generate individually but also co-create and collaborate and build and test and iterate in a safe environment and trans- start to transform those ideas into workable solutions. One of the key words there Adam you used was collaboration because it gets used an awful lot but how many people actually ever stop and think about you know what it means it doesn't just mean getting a bunch of people in a room um, it's it's about really thinking very carefully about how you deploy collaboration and what that means and in fact when you've got a group and when you do what you say which you do it on an individual level and then you sort of start to share that and build on that you know that's where the real exponential effects of idea generation can start to come in and where we can actually start to get to breakthrough results and this is part of where the payoff comes and actually you know what some of the experiments and science behind cognitive diversity are starting to tell us is that you know if we can get these profiles right and the right people in the room solving the problems of the future is going to be so much easier if we're able to do that and essentially that is one of our missions and what we have been able to do as well and demonstrate which is you know what are those differences and what are those those unique skills and experiences that people have that make them so unique and in a way everyone has value depends on where you sit best in this challenge or innovation phase that allows you to shine the most. Great. So 
Let's move on to evaluation. Can you start to sort of set out how you see the evaluation stage and, and how it works best and, and why cognitive diversity is so valuable to the evaluation stage? Yeah, absolutely. I think from the first stage where we're going really wide, you know, maximizing cognitive diversity, then going through the deep dive where cognitive diversity is, you need a different level of cognitive diversity, and then opening up the cognitive diversity again. It's almost like this roller coaster that we're going on in terms of where cognitive diversity best sits. You then end up in evaluation. Uh, during evaluation, you're really beginning to test the most, like, kind of fruitful ideas. And in that way, you actually start needing to think about those ideas very differently. You need to start bringing in the healthy skeptics, the critics, the people who might have a specialist knowledge about a market or industry that allows them to think about, okay, if we have this idea, what does it actually mean? How do we actually, is this actually going to work? It's that critical perspective that really shines here about being able to see the bigger picture, having that knowledge, being able to be critical, being open to that. And we know there are like kind of lovers and carers and natural skeptics and these kind of people tend to fall on a line. But if you can begin to identify, are you someone who prefers to co-create or are you someone who prefers to challenge and critique? This is actually where those people really sit best those they can select test and transform those best ideas in a way in which they can be really implemented and reflected in the world for new consumers as well and i think one of the really important things here is you know there are industry standards and everyone loves to have a poke at focus groups but there's a very good reason why that is because as we know, focus groups and managers or focus groups actually can affect biased in the same way as managers are. And back to the point we made earlier about if you are an early stage innovator, if this idea is going to be three to five or five to 10 years out, how are you going to so often novel ideas get rejected? And we know from some of those ideas that get rejected are actually some of the most valuable breakthrough ideas so you know what can we do within that team because we know from uh, work that we have seen and that we have researched that actually creators are better at seeing the potential of novel ideas so yes it's about having a very grounded uh, sort of critical view of that product from a practical perspective but at the same time it's about having that vision so we don't get uh, a false negative and that's where challenge becomes even better because you know when you have a, a homogenous group people are thinking the same they're not seeing those those potential flaws or when you have people or an environment doesn't allow for challenge to happen those things can go overlooked and and because the worst thing for an organization is to get to the evaluation stage or you know and to to pass through ideas that actually don't reflect what consumer needs or they're really unimplementable and and this is where you really need to start thinking really critically uh, because you know this is where the cost comes even further bringing in ideas that that don't work they're not reflective Now that we've walked through the stages, um, let's take a leap into the future. Where do you see future applications of cognitive diversity? How will it make the world a better place or the workplace a better place to work for people or collaborate with each other? I think I can, we've kind of touched upon some of this, but the closest thing 
that we're working on and that what we're seeing is that how do we enable people to identify their individual strengths, where they fit into these innovation projects and in a way recognize their superpowers. If, if we can profile individuals and understand the magic that causes them to think differently, and this is essentially what we've been doing and, and how we're kind of developing our psychometric profiling tools and our applied innovation tools, uh, both for using machine learning and um, kind of typical kind of statistical modeling, is that you know, we are identifying these people and we're figuring out and challenging the paradigm in which creativity only comes from a set of lone geniuses in the world actually everyone has their creative strengths if we can do that we can profile individuals we can profile teams and we can begin to uh, to to see and change how innovators innovate by by viewing a team as not a ch static thing that stays the same over time that people can get pulled in and pulled out and revisited and revamped and, and uh, through different stages we actually start to kind of build our teams much better but also tailor our teams around that cognitive diversity score that we're seeing you know the optimum level of cognitive diversity for your challenge we can identify that and begin to apply it to different innovation stages and different innovation challenges and in a way, we allow organizations and leaders to find the right people in their organizations to bring in at the right time to solve the problems of the future. Yeah. And I think, you know, what you're touching on here, what you're touching on here are some, you know, some really big macro shifts. So we know that the workplace is changing. We know that the professional gig economy is upon us and there is much more fluidity. So when we're talking about teams, we're talking about dynamic teams. You might have the core team, but who are the people that come in on a sort of activity basis to come in and, and, and sort of join that team to create a particular profile and then move away again? So how do we get them in there quickly? And, you know, so they can be fulfilled in the activities they're doing and feeling that they are giving their best based on their superpowers and how they go away. And then what we're also doing is, you know, we know there's been a huge rise in organizations being very self-conscious about their, you know, DEI scores. And, and I think this, this starts to level it up. What this starts to do is we start to see people, you know, for all of the value that they bring, as opposed to what can be in many cases, a, a quite a, just a, a cynical box ticking exercise. And how do we actually elevate that to see people's strengths for what they are and and I think you know and that's again in the in the age of artificial intelligence with what's happening with chat gpt you know it's doing remarkable things but then how do we as humans remain competitive it is our ingenuity so how can we start to use technology so we can combine our ingenuity as human beings to even be you know more powerful and make bigger creative leaps and i think these are some of the things that really excites me it's like what can we do with our collective intelligence and you know our particular lens on that is you know just the potency of getting the levels of cognitive diversity right because i think the implications go way beyond innovation as well i think it will you know this could profoundly change the way that actually organizations organize themselves and i think that for me is is one of the most exciting things that we're we're sort of beginning to to peer into at the moment so adam i always wrap up by asking the question uh how could listeners or the sense network 
um, get involved or be a part of the work that you're doing with around this research and development? We're really on a on this mission together. So, the Sense Network are we want to bring them on the journey with us. They are they're everything that you know the incredibly valuable, interesting, amazing community and people that we have, and we're really looking more and more to better understanding how this how this network and how these be the people in the network are so great and are so creative and what they're bringing to the table in terms of innovation projects and the way that they're seeing things so we um, have developed the next stage of our psychometrics which assesses and better understands the next level of cognitive diversity and creative intelligence in these in in the sense network so if you're listening and you want to become involved and you're really interested uh, in, in in this work take that survey because really the what we, what we're going to do with that survey is enable people to better understand these creative traits so you'll get a profile of where your strengths are where your areas of development are where you sit best in the innovation teams you know, you're more likely to be involved in our projects because we can better place you and it has a lot of value in terms of of where we can kind of enhance and bring you in to, to shape the future of of all the amazing organizations that we work with, be it, you know, technology or skincare or snacking, all of these things, you know, are, your active Sense Network are actively engaged in these things and, and how can we utilize them? So please fill in the survey, take 10 to 15 minutes, no more than that. Um, and that'll be really amazing to get as many people as we can on this mission to to help shape the future and how people innovate. So so a win-win, you get to learn something about yourself and um, we get to better understand um, how we can find cool stuff for the Sense Network to do that they'll enjoy doing as always that's that's what really our motivation is is how can we get more cool stuff for the network to do thank you adam it's been a great conversation i feel that there's going to be a part two to this at some point but until then thank you very much thank you jeremy it's been a pleasure thank you for having me thank you for listening to extreme perspectives brought to you by sense worldwide We'd love you to join this conversation using the hashtag Extreme Perspectives. If you enjoyed it, leave us a review. The Sense Network collaborates with many of the world's most innovative companies to help them be more innovative. Join us at thesensenetwork.com or get in touch via email hello at senseworldwide.com.